Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Those pictures we were watching from yesterday evening and into the night of uh, Notre Dame, really uh, sad to see uh, such devastation with regards uh, to that famous cathedral in Paris. It's maybe just not as bad as we had first thought, but it's still devastating. I I want to speak to a man who's been there many times now based in Paris, uh, Father Aidan Troy, very much a son of our city. Uh, Father Troy, good morning. Good morning, Frank. It must be a sad morning in Paris, or is there a sense of some relief that some things were rescued that maybe could have been destroyed? I think that's true. You know, like like everything that happens, there's there's the initial shock, the numbness. I was down there last night when I finished up here about half past 11 to midnight, and there were hundreds, if not thousands of people, and all you could do was stand in sort of disbelief that this is actually happening before our eyes. And then, you know, this morning I was looking through, through, through the headlines of a lot of the French press here this morning, and there's, there's that sense, I mean, whether we like it or not, President Macron was due to address the nation last night on a political issue, and he went to Notre Dame, and he stood beside the Archbishop of Paris, and he said, we will rebuild this, and tomorrow we will start collecting you know and i think this morning that seems to be spreading a little bit that yeah it is terrible and there is absolute heartbreak and it's not just it's more than a religious thing all religions and none up to 14 million people a year went through the door and nobody asked who are you it was wonderful in that way i will be there on average frank probably about once a week for bits and pieces. I was due to mass there with hundreds of other priests tomorrow evening. And there is this morning, I think, a sense, yes, like everything, we will rise from this, and this is Holy Week. This is the week of the resurrection. So hopefully that's a symbol too. As for one of the most famous artefacts, the Crown of Thorns, tell us about mm. the Crown of Thorns. And it has, it has been saved, hasn't it? It has been saved, and every every first Friday I've been there many times. And like in in an age where, where religion doesn't always sort of come to the top, you cannot get a seat on a Friday for the veneration of the Crown of Thorns. Now the whole history of that would take more than your program to tell. But people do believe that this is it. They do go, and whether it is or not, in one sense, it is an amazing. It's almost like a magnet that brings people to pray. 
and to venerate. And on a Friday, the Passion of Christ, and I belong to the Passionist, an order dedicated to the Passion. So it's very precious to me. I can't say it was there every Friday that it was on, but it was amazing to see that. There was also the amazing thing that has happened in other places. The map, many of your listeners in, in, from, 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 from Northern Ireland will know this. The magnificent cross above the altar... That hasn't been destroyed. That's there. The Blessed Sacrament was taken out. You know, 16 statues were removed two days ago as part of the reconstruction. So I know I'm grabbing at straws, but there are hopes. And the walls may yet be all right while the roof and the spire are gone and the two towers are still standing. It is a, a reassuring, and maybe that's too strong a term, mm. picture mm. that we're looking at this morning compared to, it is, it's reassuring compared to the picture we were looking at last night. Oh, you, yeah. you see the, the, the structure of the building, okay, the roof, the spire, uh, no longer there, but those, those, those towers and that, I, I suppose that iconic image of, of, of the cathedral is, is still standing. And the, to the Parisians, the, there must be a sense of hope. Oh, absolutely. And I think that the extraordinary thing is, like, like many places, you know, the fact that it's bordered by a river, and I can always think of the many, many times when you would come to cross the bridge to go across, because I'd be coming from the other side of the river, um, and you just saw it there, and I suppose after a while you just sort of said to yourself, yeah, that's Notre Dame. Another day you see the Eiffel Tower, the Arc de Triomphe. It was just part of Paris, and you never thought you'd see the day when it wouldn't be standing there as we've known it to be. And that's right, I think, for, for a lot of Parisians, even people who wouldn't be particularly religious, it sort of was, they, they would sort of call it their church. You know, and to me, it was like going into, last week I was preaching up in Derry in the Long Tower. And, like, I know how much churches mean to people of all denominations. And for many of us, Notre Dame was like our church. I go to confession there, I go to mass there, I go to evening prayer there. And it was just lovely. And a lot of Parisians, I heard a lady say this morning, my biggest regret is I never brought my child in. The child was too young and now I never can. You know, there's all that mixture of emotions here, I think, this morning. Well, there are suggestions one of the wealthiest families in Paris are going to, in some way, subscribe to a fund to, re- to rebuild the, the roof. The, uh, f- the French government, mm. of course, Macron has immediately said mm. that this will yes. be re- reinstated. It will take mm. time. It's, it's going to take a, just a, a, a king's ransom to do it, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think time and money are going to be the thing. I may never live to see it completed, but I think it's going to be. We've even started this morning in our little parish here because of the number of emails overnight from all over the world. We're starting a fund that we'll pass directly on as we get it to the diocese. And I think it's going to be both the huge donations and it's going to be literally the pennies and the cents of ordinary people that are going to be to bring this together. I saw tweets this morning from the Muslim community, from the Jewish community, you know, there is a huge outpouring of saying this is bigger than just one religion. This belongs to the world. And and Father Troy, to those who will say that money could be spent better elsewhere Mm. in this world, what do you you say to those people who who don't understand the presence, the physical presence of such Mm. a church? I mean, far be it for me, Frank, to give you a smart answer, but I was just thinking the other day in the readings, it said that when Mary of Magdala um, broke the ointment over Christ's feet, and he said, but you're doing for my resurrection, you know, sometimes 
you have to do that. And I know that there is huge efforts here. We do a tiny bit here, but the whole city of Paris, the whole world does its best now for refugees and that. But supposing we were to say, well, the millions and millions are spent, but think of all the people that will, in some sense, have their spirit nourished as well as their bodies nourished through the restoration. I know it's an argument, and it's much bigger than me, and it's much bigger than I can deal with, but I would stand four square behind the restoration of it while never taking your eyes off the poor, the needy, and the neglected. And is there a, a nourishing of Catholics in particular this week, considering that they're not the most devout in Paris? You will, no. you will know that yourself from being at St. Yeah. Joseph's Catholic Church over there. Yeah. You, you will know that you have yeah. a challenge like, like Catholic priests have, a, a, you know, especially in the, in the, Western, in the Western world. So w- would there be a, a, a nourishing of Catholicism when they, when they saw that fire? Will they, will they be drawn to their church more now, considering they're seeing the devastation? I remember, I remember very much on that line too. The the, the morning that that that, that elderly priest um, Jacques Hamel was was killed after saying mass, and there were so many people saying, "I haven't darkened the door of a church for years, but I stand now and say." I am a believer. You know, the night of the Bataclan, I remember being on the streets here in 2015, um, the day of Charlie Hebdo. It's extraordinary what tragedy can bring out the best in us. And people who might have been sworn enemies will say to each other, this is bigger. This is an issue of humanity. This is a matter of nourishing the spirit, nourishing people. And we all need it, whether we love it or hate it. There is need for that. I would say that, like, if the Louvre had burnt down last night, there would be a massive outpouring again. We do need those places. And I saw them in Belfast during my toughest times there. Sometimes you just saw something beautiful, a sunrise, you know, and you said to yourself, yeah, we do need to nourish the spirit as well. I remember going into ecumenical service in St. Anne's Cathedral, going into the restored pro-cathedral of St. Peter, you know. I remember the restoration of Holy Cross on the night we opened the gates on the road for the first time in decades. All of those things, they they, they feed the spirit. And they're bigger than our divisions, and we must hold on to them. And you're right, I see this as a rebuilding, not just of Notre Dame, but of the church in France and in the world. We really do need to rebuild. We have done terrible things, and we now need humbly to say we've been burnt down too in our hearts, and we need to rebuild not just the building, but ourselves those who look for imagery will certainly see the image of it being the first day of Holy Week, the most important week mm. in the Christian mm. calendar and certainly the most important week in the, in the Catholic calendar. There, there, there's imagery there that I, I suppose a poet's dream. Absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy that this had happened, but what a week for it to happen where everything like tomorrow evening we're going to have the renewal of vows, the blessing of the oil, washing of the feet on Thursday, the commemoration of the Passion on Friday. There will be 400 adults baptised in the Archdiocese of Paris at the Easter Vigil. I was there when they were called by the Archbishop and met individually by Easter. We'd have five adults baptised here in our tiny little St. Joseph's Church. And on Easter Sunday, the bells would have rung out for the resurrection of Christ. What a week for it to happen. And yet I know, and I'm just waiting for the word, 
the archdiocese will reassemble. Maybe it's Sacre Coeur, maybe it's some other big church in Paris, and we will celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ, no matter what happens. Father Troy, really appreciate your time this morning. You're very busy on the countdown to Easter. Thanks very much for speaking to us, the Father, uh, this morning, Father. Thanks indeed. Okay, Frank. It's Father Aitan Troy, uh, formerly of this neck of the woods, who is now a, a parish priest in Paris. Uh, good morning to you. 028 90 Looking there, a lot of the conversations actually about the religious aspect of Notre Dame. Some of you see it simply as a tourist attraction, but in terms of history, where it sits in history is almost beyond belief. I'll, I'll speak to Dr. Eamon Phoenix on the programme very shortly. I'll just look at some of the texts here. Among all the texts and many of them just praising Father Aidan Troy and saying lovely to hear from him again on the on the radio and this uh, loving Father Troy is so grounded. Uh, lovely lovely comments coming through but there's a, there's a couple in, in the middle of it all and it uh, one says, is this the Frank Mitchell Sunday School? And the other uh, text, uh, n- neither of them are signed uh, says, why are you going on about religion in this, uh, Frank? Um, because it's Notre Dame Cathedral you know what I mean? If Wembley was burned down, chances are we would be talking about football. Uh, let me speak to Dr. Eamon Phoenix. Uh, Eamon, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Let's put the historical spotlight on Notre Dame Cathedral, steeped for 850-odd years in history, Eamon. Absolutely. I mean, apart from religion, this is a symbol of France. Somebody called it l'histoire de la France, the story of France, the Cœur de la France, the the, 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 the heart of France, and some would say the soul of France, really, for over 850 years. It has been standing on an island in the River Seine in Paris. I mean, it was started in uh, 1113 during the reign of Louis the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the Eighth, uh, And in fact, it was completed in 1345. It took 200 years, actually, to build. And the thing is, it has reflected you know, sort of the lights and the shades of French history. Probably in the most important cathedral in Christendom, when we think back to the great cathedrals of Europe at Chartres and Reims and Cologne and so on, this was one of the great cathedrals. And, of course, it has seen so much history. Um, it's a great French Gothic-style cathedral as well. Uh, something like five acres of timber were involved, uh, really, in the roof of Notre Dame. And, of course, that was all destroyed yesterday, though happily the destruction isn't as complete as we feared uh, last evening. But think of the events there that link... Um, Britain and France and Europe. It saw the crowning of Henry IV of England in 1431 uh, at a time when um, British kings described them as being kings of England, uh, Ireland and France. It goes back to that period. It saw the crowning of Napoleon um, as emperor of the French in 1804. It was the setting of Victor Hugo's famous uh, novel, which became, of course, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, a famous Disney film later on. Um, and indeed, it was affected by the French Revolution, that, uh, you know, catastrophic event which saw the overthrow of the power of the church and the nobility in France, the first republic, really, um, uh, in Europe. Um, it saw all of that. Um, and, of course, it was restored in the 19th century. It was under restoration at the moment when we had this tragic fire. You've described it as one of the most important cathedrals in Christendom, also one of the most important venues for anyone to visit when they go to a capital city. 
when it's restored, and it will be restored, you said it took 200 years to build, it'll probably take 20, yes. at least 20 years to restore, maybe maybe lo- longer than that. Will it still have the iconic status when a new roof goes on it, when it's not the, the roof from those five acres of, of, of timber? Well, of course, uh, other cathedrals destroyed during the Second World War, like Rance, for example, were completely rebuilt and they're still major tourist attractions. Of course, we've lost something elemental, but we'll still have the great spires um, on the skyline of Paris, you know, um, overlooking, in fact, in the centre of the River Seine. It will still be a must-see ves- uh, you know, destination. At the moment, it has been attracting 13 million tourists a year. And as you say, Frank, nobody could go to Paris and say they'd seen the capital of France and one of the great cultural cities of Europe without going to Notre Dame. So, of course, it will be rebuilt. And it was, actually, a lot of its treasures have been saved. We're glad to hear last night that, that paintings and relics from the, the treasury and the cathedral were actually saved by the firefighters. And also that in the last couple of months, something like 13 copper statues that were high on the roof were actually removed during the restoration to a safe place. So we have those. And of course, the spire which fell, while of course, an iconic feature of Paris, uh, has only been up there for about 200 years. So, I mean, although we have lost that, that great kind of uh, timber tracery um, in the roof of the cathedral. The roof is gone. We have so much else. And we think of all the events remembered by that great cathedral. I mean, not just the French Revolution, um, the French Empire with the uh, coronation of Napoleon there in 1804. Um, we know that Mary Stuart became uh, Queen of France there, you know. Um, and there's so many links with these islands as well. But not only that, I mean, that's where Charles de Gaulle attended Mass to celebrate the liberation of France in uh, 1945. That's where the ending of two world wars were remembered. That's where 9-11 was remembered by the people of France. As someone said, it's a place where the citizens of France have gone to heal, to show solidarity, to mourn in mutuality. It's one of those great uh, iconic sites. And we think back to the bank buildings fire, you know, last summer, and the impact that had on Belfast, where people had associated forever with the city centre. And we went back into its history and its 18th century history and all of that. Now, of course, it didn't have the resonances of, of Notre Dame, but we can feel for the people of France and the citizens of Paris in their loss. Many of those singing Ave Maria last night in their thousands were probably non-believers, you know, were, were kind of post-Christians, but with those who have faith, they were recalling this tremendous edifice and its, its kind of resonant associations with French history and culture and art and, of course, religion. And finally, Eamon, just on that very issue of non-belief but still having admiration, where, where does a historian stand with regards to probably the most iconic artefact, the crown of thorns, the crown of thorns that Christ is supposed to have worn? Very difficult to prove that that was the real crown of thorns or represented the real crown of thorns. What, what, what's, the his, what's the historian's perspective on that artefact well. that has been re- rescued? Yes, well, I mean, it is, it's a, probably a medieval relic. It's a great medieval cathedral, and there were many medieval relics. I mean, if you bring it to a, lo- a local, uh, uh, if you like, uh, uh, analogy, 
you think of the grave of St. Patrick in Don Patrick, which people visit every year, which is an iconic site, and told that now you have these cruise ships coming into Belfast from April on, and lots of Americans will go and see St. Patrick's grave. But we would be very disappointed if we told them that there's actually a photograph of that stone being unveiled in 1902. Uh, it was presented by a well-known Belfast antiquarian. There is a tradition of St. Patrick's burial in Don Patrick, even that he's buried there uh, with Bridget and Colum Kill. But it's very much a Norman fiction uh, in our local context. It was John de Courcy, the great Norman warrior, who conquered Don Patrick and to shore up his power at uh, the Earldom of Ulster, he created this myth. Well, that happened all over Europe. So you have you have myths. We had the whole debate 50 years ago up at the Shroud of Turin. Could it have been used to wipe Jesus' face um, in his last agony? That has now been, you know, more or less disproven. But still, it's part of that great medieval heritage uh, which crossed Europe, you know. The heritage of the holy wells, of the high crosses, of the relics of the saints. Um, you have uh, the Shroud of St. Patrick's Bell, St. Patrick's Hand, uh, here in Ireland as well. So really, it's, it's a medieval inheritance. You don't have to believe it's the crown of thorns, but it does reflect the nuances and the religion and the, and the deep faith of earlier generations. Dr. Eamon Phoenix, thank you very much indeed. Eamon Phoenix, uh, eloquent as always with regards to the history of Notre Dame and that that surrounds it. Uh, good morning, this is the U105 phone Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.